we're, we're writers, aren't we? We do some writing together, some comedy. Yeah, that's we're right. Crazy people. Um, so far, you know, we, we've come close to hitting the big time a couple of times, uh, but we've never quite got it together. Uh, but I've got a new idea that I think is really going to catapult us into the big time. Okay, I'm on board. I'm, All I'm right. listening. So I'm here's listening. my idea for a new comedy, right? What if, what if, right? <laughs> what if? You can't you got, be laughing already. <laughs> you, you got Nintendo characters, right? Okay, yeah. Characters, you know, Mario, Princess Peach, all that. What if, what if they were, can't, don't know if I can say this on the podcast. What if they were talking about like, like, like sex and that? What if, <laughs> what if they were doing that? Yeah. I mean, what, what if they were? So, like, so, like, you're on. Imagine that, right? Okay. I'm imagining Funny. it. Comedy I'm gold. A, I'm, uh, it's 2005. I'm on Newgrounds. I'm imagining it. There's, what, there's what Mario. If, He's Mario going. He takes a mushroom, right? And then Venus gets he, a what? He, get, he he gets a he gets a boner. Okay, yeah, yeah. What what if, what if? Wouldn't that be really edgy and funny? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on board. What, what if right, we we draw a picture in, of right? Mario? Yeah. What if we draw a picture of Mario and he's he's smoking a smoking a spliff? <laughs> Happy of four twenty. So you want to make a webcomic is what you're saying. That would be really edgy, I think, and cool. And I think everyone would be really, they'd love it. They'd be like, that's so unexpected. No one's ever done that before. I can't believe I never thought about those characters in that way. I think it would be really funny. Where has this idea come from? Well, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't claim to be stand on the shoulders of giants. And I have uh, taken inspiration from some of the great American comedians. (laughs) Yeah, like who? Like um, whoever they are on SNL, <laughs> they don't have any oh, stars on anymore. I get what you're doing. You, you didn't get, I get what I. Now. You didn't get I what did. I was doing until right now. <laughs> so the jokes on you, really. The jokes on me. You're do, you're you're doing a, a SNL thing about the Elon Musk episode with the Wario and stuff. SNL did it. a really unfunny sketch. Oh, it was bad, wasn't it? It, it was. It was something that. I watch it and I'm like, whatever I do in my life, I won't have made that. And that right? makes me feel better. The thing with SNL is they have one week to put together, uh, I don't know, like three hours worth of sketches. So it's got to be tough. It's got to be even tougher when your main sketch person for the week is Elon Musk, who has no acting ability whatsoever and is just a billionaire. Um, but even then... That was. So you, I, I in had the to stop room, halfway you get through. Thinking, what if Mario talked about sex? What yeah. if he? What if he made reference to uh, to having sex with Princess Peach? What if? What, what if, if Luigi talked about his dick? It's, what if? <laughs> that, it's you just... know that that would be what if that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? It's We'd all laugh grounds. at that. It's just it, it is new very grounds. much a two thousand and five, two thousand and three era like Newgrounds Flash cartoon. Yeah. And probably even now, to be honest, I mean, you still get some of that shit on YouTube these days. Man, what was your? What were some of your favorite? Like, you must have enjoyed some of these like video game parody stuff like back in the day. You know, before the jokes became. Or are you done. saying what? What jokes did I enjoy when I was like thirteen years? No, old? but is like, what you're is, asking me? Is there any? Are there any like <laughs> now that I'm now I'm thinking of Newgrounds? Basically, are there any sort of like flash cartoons or anything from that era? That sort of sticks in your head because it's it still exists, but it's not as like not what it used to be. 
But no, I uh, feel like Newgrounds was yeah. Like there's one particular one stuff. which I'm not sure if I mentioned on this podcast before, but I did go back and rewatch it before Flash ended. It's nothing like special. It may not even be. I mean, it, it was quite highly viewed, I guess, at the time. It was. Um, do you remember you're getting Adele? The 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 Dell Computers ad campaign. Well, kind it was, of. It was a Flash cartoon about a boy and his mother going to a computer store. And the salesman is like, you're all getting Adele. And then he becomes like a demon. And there's like rock music playing and like a big fight. It's always just the weirdest shit. Yeah. These uh, anyway, if you know what I'm talking about, write in. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> I, I revisited it and it sure was. It is a Flash cartoon from 2002. For me, it was the. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of. I was. I was basically spent my entire life on Newgrounds when I wasn't also playing like RuneScape. It was. It was those two things together. My internet life. Um, so I've seen a lot of Newgrounds stuff, and there's some really good things on there. But what what always sticks to mind for me is the decline of video gaming series, uh, which was a series of three, fifteen to twenty minute long animated episodes of like these 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 guys. Um, video game adventures i guess like they, in one episode they go to e3 just it's it's very sort of like control out delete style humor but when do, i was younger i was being, like that was real good shit do you remember being 14 years old and thinking like e3 would be so good yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely uh but the people who made the decline of video game series went on to form a video game company and they made snipper clips for switch oh nice it's pretty good uh and, and also some detective stuff i think yeah. Also, we all remember the end of the world, that Flash cartoon. The end of the world? I am let tired, etc, etc. What? Do you not remember that one? What it's like about? It's like a guy with like a French accent uh, talking about he's, like how he thinks the world is going to end. Like, And he the joke is he goes through all these different nations oh, and they yeah, start like a war. And he does like silly accents. And everyone remembers when the French person says, but I am let tired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway... I didn't Love mean that. this to become a reminiscer of like cartoons we watched when we were twelve. But that's because that's what it made me think of before I realized. I remember the S. I I had already purged the SNL thing from I'm, my memory. I'm sure a number of people out there are having a big nostalgia wave right now. I miss that sort of stuff. I mean that that's what that was essentially you, like. You miss this low tech, stupid internet humor. So, so no, not not the cartoons and things, but some of the games that are available at that point. Like that was like that was when that was the indie boom. You know, that, that a lot of indie developers now got their start I would say the, in, the indie boom was slightly after. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I, it's like, I mean, uh, it's like, like where pre-commercial. Yeah, so like that's pre-commercial right. indie boom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was also an era where you'd make like a Flash cartoon and it would get 8 million views and you wouldn't make a penny off it because course, nobody yeah. knew how to make any money. Nobody knew how to monetize that. You got uh, your money well, later when you, when you got hired to suddenly make an advert for uh, Yop or something, you know? You know, you know, like a lot of these. Remember, like, got... do, you remember, do you remember like um, adverts where it was just like the Flash cartoon, but in advert form? Yeah, that was great. I always felt so proud of them, like for making bank off of what they were doing, even if it meant usually using their characters. That were uh, Weeble and Bob, I think, was one which ended up being used for a lot of adverts. Remember Weeble and Bob? I don't know. They were like two little egg people. No. Um, Good for them. It was. It was a. That was very much a internet humor thing where someone wants some pie and then the other egg brings some pie and it's like you bringed back pie and you're like, okay, <laughs> this is 
This is not humour, but... <laughs> I, I do think uh, jokes of that era... You, it's the kind of thing where you laugh twice. You laugh... Um, <laughs> You, you laugh once at the joke, and then you laugh at yourself for being so stupid. <laughs> as, uh, and that's someone originally said that about like the Zucker Brothers films, like Airplane and that. But uh, yeah. I think that's applicable to that style of comedy as well, where yeah. some things, they might make you chuckle, and then you're like, oh, that's really... I can't believe I laughed at that. Like, if, you have to, uh, if you want to explain any of the jokes, you can't. It is. Like, I, I guess it's like nostalgia, cause, but it is a certain kind of. Um, I called it the lol so random school of humor, <laughs> which from which was popular amongst teenagers in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, what's the joke of Badger Badger Badger? <laughs> uh, was it? A jo- I thought it was very serious. And then there's a snake. The the, jo- the joke is just just a just a song. Yeah, it's, just, it's something you can just repeat. That, S- that SNL thing, though, fucking yeah. hell. All of that that whole Elon Musk shit was just... He's just rich. He's got no other talent. Oh, it was just bad. That, But I, I, I stopped the Wario sketch midway through. How does it end? Oh, I only saw a clip posted to Twitter. Okay, so you don't watch all of it either. No. God, yeah, just, just painful. Uh, the best um, bit of that sketch is when uh, the best worst bit... Is when they um, the, the joke is that Luigi eats a mushroom and his dick grows, and they got like they like we've in got the footage of what. No, it's like they they have like a TV monitor and they're like we've you deny having sex with Princess Peach, but we've got footage of you earlier and it's the mushroom power up someone's effect and is and it's like a censored thing, but like it's blurred out, but you can see like the dick is growing. And then the the guy playing like the lawyer turns to the camera and he says. I think we all know what that sound means. Uh, yeah, we do, because he just showed us. <laughs> we just saw it happen. We do know what it means. There's a bit where they take um, some information from the Mario fan wiki about Wario, and then the joke is just that that's the information that's on the wiki. Mm-hmm. And you're like... Anyway. Welcome to the Nerd Under Geek podcast. Hello. Um, I'm your host, We're, we're at least better than Saturday Night Live. <laughs> At least better than put that on a poster. That's the podcast title right there. (laughs) At least better than Sunday Saturday Night Live. Than Sunday Night Live. (laughs) Sunday night. This is Sunday Sunday morning live. It's episode sixty. Oh my god. We're recording this on the sixteenth of May, Sunday, but it'll go up on the seventeenth. I'm your host, Cal Doughty, and with me, as always, is everybody's friend and top Saturday Night Live reviewer, Scott Hunter. Hello. Scott, how, Scott, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. Uh, I'll give you a quick strike update. Uh, we were yeah. in talks with a company last week, which ended with them threatening to illegally sack us. So that's how that's where we are. How many weeks are we in now? Uh, 11 now. 11 weeks of strike. And the company opened. Uh, so I'll give you a quick update. Uh, so we went, they had a meeting with them on Tuesday uh, where the company was like, all right, uh, we'll give you two options, right? Uh, we'll, we'll offer to extend your... Your fixed-term contracts, which ended in January, will offer to give you a, a quote, six-month extension on, like, your old rate of salary, uh, which, you know, after that, they, they didn't even hide the fact that after that we would not receive permanent contracts, right? So they're like, right. we can so put you on a fixed-term contract. So at that point, they'd contract. let you go, yeah, legally. Yeah, basically. Legally let you go. Uh, of course, we pointed out that, like, um, because we've been on strike since February, in practice, that's like a six-week extension, if that. Yeah. So it's not really, it's not really much. And then they said, "Well, if you like, we'll just like pay you out a lump sum 
in lieu of notice backdated to like the start of the strike. Uh, so they basically offered us a lump sum payment to like go away. <laughs> and, and we pointed out, and, and for most of us, this lump sum, you know, back backdated pay at our old rate of salaries to February is like four grand or more. And we pointed out to them, uh, yeah, a lump sum. And we pointed out to them, like raising our pay to like a London living wage. And by the way, London living wage is our compromise position because that's not our old rate of salary. Our old salary was higher. But like raising our pay to a London living wage would cost about two grand per year per person. So you can afford to pay us £4,000 lump sum, but you can't afford to raise our salary by £2,000 a year. And they, 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 they didn't have a response to that. They just said they didn't want to. The tricky thing uh, now, so, I suppose, is that even if you succeed in your strike, they've already made it clear that they'll be letting you all go once it's legally safe for them to do so. Well, they can't do that if we've got permanent contracts, is the thing. Oh, right, okay. Because we all have permanent contracts, so obviously they can't dismiss us. And this brings us to the next point. So they can't obviously dismiss us if we've got permanent contracts. Uh, but that was the offer they were making, was like, well, we'll put you onto your fixed-term, old fixed-term contracts, and then we'll let you go, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, anyway, that wasn't acceptable to us, and they no. did not have a they did <laughs> not have not? a response. Uh, they didn't have a response for why they could afford to pay us all four grand each, but they couldn't afford to raise our salaries by two grand a year. Even though you know statistically, some of us won't be around in like two. We'll have moved on to other jobs in like two years, uh, so that would like save them money, right? So, uh, but you know, they did not have a response other than they just didn't want to for why That's they so couldn't afford to just increase our pay. Uh, even though we save them money again, so I, don't think uh, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. For, in my opinion, they obviously don't want to admit they're wrong and don't want the union to gain power. Yep, that that's what they they want us gone because they don't want to accept a union in their workplace. No, true. Anyway, so that's what they offered us, and then they're like, "You've got two days to take it, or we'll fire you on Monday." <laughs> uh, and we we pointed out to them. You can't do that. That's unfair dismissal because we got a valid strike ballot. And they said, we don't want to recognise your new... Because we did a second ballot. To, con to, to continue to strike, we've done a second ballot. And they said, we don't recognise your validity of a second ballot. And we said, well, it doesn't matter. If you think the ballot is illegitimate, you've got to go to a high court. Like yeah. that, and that's how the law works. If if, a com if you've got a ballot to strike and the, your employer thinks it's illegitimate, they've got to get it injuncted and they've got to get it in front of a high court judge. Uh, and as we said to them, if you do, if you try and get it in front of a judge, we don't ever want to hear you talk about cost again, because to get something in front of a judge at this short notice would cost you about hundred grand uh, to get this. Because you, like, if you want to do it by Monday, because you've got to like hire a barrister, like yeah. a, and everything, and you've got to like bump it up the court, you know, get it in court fast, basically. Uh, so anyway. Um, I think by the end of Friday, because there's a big, big meeting on Friday, it lasted all day. By the end of Friday, I think they had um, they called their lawyers and be told, "Yeah, you you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's really illegal." Um, and just incidentally, uh, there's no cap on the the fine a judge can levy for an unfair dismissal case. So right, okay, and I mean, there's a, and there's a lot of you. Like, there's, a lot of, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of us. Uh, be... the, the, av the average unfair dismissal award is like ten grand, 
Uh, which, to be fair, if they wanted to hand me a massive unfair dismissal settlement, that's more than I'd probably get <laughs> otherwise. Like, that's pretty good. That'd be pretty yeah. good for me. Uh, but anyway, it looks like they've kind of backed off. Uh, but that is basically how the negotiations went, is they're, they're trying to, they tried to dismiss us unfairly. Yeah. Um, like, uh, illegally. Um, and we said you can't do that and um, I think they nearly I, the HR lady I think was nearly moved to tears uh, she just but she's, just, she's so done with it she was really I think she was just really I don't know frustrated but we are frustrated as well right they yeah. could really easily solve this by giving us the London living wage and they've already said they're willing to pay us a lump sum which would be more than just increasing our salaries so why like, why won't they just do it? It'd be more than increasing your salaries in the it, long run, but in terms of like immediate, yes, they don't want well, you around. I, anyway. I think I think it's very clear that they think if they give us the salaries that we want, like if they give us the London living wage, they think it will encourage more people to join the union, and they're very aware that they don't want the workers to have more power. Yeah. So that that's what they're doing. That's the kind of company I work for. Uh, so fun times. Good. So that's uh, good then. That's it's 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 going well then. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was also what, apart from that, I've been doing all right. What I want to know is what happens when you eventually win this case and you all go back into the office and just how fucking awkward it's going to be. Well, like, I don't. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's going to be so awkward. I live for it. I love it so much. What else has happened? We haven't had it. We didn't do any pick. We suspended picketing last week because we were in talks. But back it, back on it next this week. Do you still um, get um, paid when picketing suspended? Uh, we get strike pay from the from the. So you still even, when you when you're in talks, you still get a strike pay. Yes. Okay, that's good. Nice. I'm very happy for you, and I'm glad things are going well. It would be a bit well. silly for the union not to financially support us when we're at like the most crucial point. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad uh, things are going well for you. I'm glad that you are doing. Yeah, so that's me in a positive space. How are you? I'm not. I'm good. I've just not had a lot of stuff going on. Um, these past couple of weeks have sort of just sort of blurred together. I, I couldn't give you one specific moment from the past two weeks where I'm like, "That's a thing I did," uh, which makes for less less interesting conversation than what you've got going on maybe i should start striking against things i mean i think you should definitely join the union uh, yeah check out unite it does i mean it starts with one doesn't it so oh. check out because you you don't you aren't unionized at your workplace are you i can't get into it uh <laughs> all right uh, check out you can join check out the unite benefits uh, lots of benefits from members and you can maybe talk to your local branch about recruiting other people in your workplace i'm sure they love that <laughs> well i mean it doesn't matter what your employer loves or not it's uh what's good for you what what the tricky thing you, you don't tell your employer right away <laughs> just yeah i, I just I'm finding right now that things are sort of just you're looking forward to like things opening up and whatnot and and life moving on, but I didn't do a lot of things anyway, and I think yeah, it, stuff's just sort of I'm at that point where I'm waiting for like the next big thing to happen, but I don't know what that next big thing's going to be. You ever get like that? You ever just sort of like feel like you're just waiting for something to happen? Uh, I feel like it when on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this isn't I guess video. I, I just, I just, I guess I know I'm, what you mean. I'm at a point in my life right now where 
there's not like a big thing planned. Like we we were intended to go to Japan for three weeks next year. I thought you were getting married. Well, yeah, I'm getting married, but that's we're not we're not got that planned or a date. Right? I, I hope your partner hears that. It's not a big thing. He's not, <laughs> that's not, not what I mean. A big thing, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <we're... laughs> There's no date or anything for it yet, though. So that's just another thing where we're sort of just waiting for the right thing to do. Because <laughs> the problem with we might, we might have gone over this before. The issue with marriage right now, f- f- with with basically weddings not be happening for the past year, is that next year everything's going to be super expensive. Yeah, be booked. Like booked up, yeah. but also just really expensive and extra stressful because everyone's going to be fighting for like the best stuff. You just want to wait until you know that no fault divorces on the books. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you, two in my twenties, three in my thirties, four in my forties, and I'm dead by fifty. By stress, um, that's the plan. Yeah, so it's so we'll probably do it in like a couple of years' time. Yeah, like twenty 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 three or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, when when things are mm-hmm. calm again. But so yeah, it's just a lot of like you. you, <laughs> you, you so you don't feel like anything big is happening in your life. And that's fine. You've well, got to a make good something thing. happen. You can't just sit around and wait for something big to happen to you. You've I've got to make lot, something happen. I've had a lot of big things happen in my twenties, though. To be fair, like more than yeah. what some other people have had in their twenties, like marriage, divorce, house ownership, all of that stuff. I'm aware that a lot of stuff I've done, like moving cities, or all of that stuff. I've, I've, I've lived a good twenties. You've lived a good life. I've lived a good twenties. And now Ready things to retire. Are... <laughs> yeah. And now things are slowing down a little bit and it's and that's fine. I'm just sort of trying to get used to it. Um You're stable. Yeah. Well, if you want something to happen, you should make it happen. That's not a good idea for me, because I can be quite self destructive. Uh <laughs> have you considered joining your local socialist party? I've not. Maybe I should give that a go. Well, I can put you in contact with one of our with our branch up there. Yeah, we can talk about this off the podcast. We'll look into that. Uh, have you been playing or watching anything? Yeah, Jesus, I've got a big, I've got a big old list. You've got a big, a big uh, list. I'm going to start with. Um, should we so go I, back? Should, I, we go, I, should we go back and forth on these? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. I, I did a free. I've got a short one. I've yeah. got. I did a free trial of Apple Arcade because I saw on the Apple Arcade page in the App Store they had a Tyco <laughs> app game. Is that Tyco Tyco's the, the drumming thing, right? The drumming game for your yeah. phone. It's good. It's Tyco. It's but you tap on the phone. It's a good little distraction. Plenty of cool songs. Is that just on Apple Arcade? Because I would also be into that. I don't know if there's like a paid app for it, uh, but I saw it on Apple Arcade and I was like, uh, free trial. Yeah, don't mind if I do. I'm gonna go on the the Google Play Store and see if it's on there as well. So so that that is that just the same as the drumming game where you're just um, drumming a it's tune or is drumming it? Game. Yep, it is the same thing, but you're tapping on your phone uh, instead, and it works. It works naturally very well. For oh me. yeah. Uh, I found I I don't know if there's. I found it harder to be accurate. I don't know if it's because I'm used to lag on my TV, and there's like a set amount of lag that I've grown used to. Or Do you um, not play things in game mode on your TV. What do you mean, in game mode? What do you mean? Uh, TVs have a, a a setting called game mode, which reduces the I lag. Get, I, the, get, the I guess I don't. I you should, you should I don't, do. But, or I don't know, it's because the iPhone. I assume there's no lag on the iPhone screen because it's be. it's all in one bit, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe it's the app. I don't know. But maybe it's just me being rubbish and me doing the taps. Maybe it might be the touch screen uh, not responding as well as the drum controller or, or buttons or something. Um, 
I would still Maybe recommend checking it... to see if your TV has a game mode option when you play games okay. on your TV. Yeah, it's got a good uh, it's got a good array of songs though. Uh, all your favourites. It's it's Tycho. I I it's fine. What songs? Uh, I don't it... know if I. <laughs> well, what do you want me to have a look through now? Or... Yeah, tell me what? tell me it... some of your favourite songs on it. All right, sure. Uh, Has it got Chala Head Chala? I don't think it's, it's got some repeats from the from the regular games, but I don't think it's got Hala Head Chala, Hala Inshallah, Hala Inshallah. It's got Give Me Chocolate by Baby Metal. I don't know that song. Oh, it's got Chala Head Chala. Yeah, yeah. There we uh, go. Uh, it's got uh, ooh, a tale of six trillion years in the night. I've not. Not heard that one before. Sounds like a long song. Uh, yep, exactly. It's got Hello Halloween. Uh, is that it's from got, it's got William Nightmare, Tell. Nightmare Before Christmas? I don't know. I don't think no, it This is, is Halloween. Yeah. Normally. Uh, it's got the Turkish March. It's got Overture from Orpheus in the Underworld. All those classics. And you drum it's, along it's got, to all of these? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I will continue my Apple Arcade subscription after it i get the free trial done i don't know if um 4.99 a month is worth the games i've played but it has been a fun, a fun what are the time. what are the other I, two games you've played i i've been playing all right mini metro plus i don't understand it uh, i'm just <laughs> gonna put this out here uh, maybe i just didn't stick with it well enough uh but it seemed to be like you connect metro lines between points on a map yeah and i get that i don't get how you win all those because uh, sometimes you'll get like overloaded and you lose. I don't understand it. Maybe it's I'm just, just a it's just a puzzle silly. strategy game. Yeah, but how do I win the puzzle? It's it gets <laughs> kept appearing new points on the map. Yeah, so you're tasked with constructing an efficient rail transit network for a rapidly growing city. It's it's, it's designed like the London um, train maps, like that you can see, isn't it? Like with all those colours and things. Uh, stations are represented by differently shaped nodes, and players can build tracks to connect them by drawing lines. Levels are based on real cities. I don't know how you win, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If things just go on forever, I got bored. All right, on to the next <laughs> Mini one. Mini Metro, uh, how do you win? Uh, people have won. All right, cool. Maybe you just need to get good. Oh, no, maybe how to get high, very high scores. Maybe it's just a score thing, then. Maybe. Uh, maybe just go on forever. All right, I'm not... Uh, I prefer a more... A more structured simulator. Yeah. If I'm gonna create a train trains, um, you want them to say you've you've done it. You've made the trains. You, you, you're a good train boy. I want. Yeah. To have a good train <laughs> uh, finally, Grindstone. I, the one I play the most of. It's just a little tap puzzle game. Uh, it is has a fantasy wrapper. You are Mister Man with a big sword. You want to kill the monsters. You want to chain together monsters of the same color to get around this map. Sometimes you'll get attacked if they're angry. You want to position yourself correctly. You want to get a high score. You want to get loot around the level. It's it's. So is it? I once. Is it a yeah. match three game? It's not match three. Is you've got a bunch of. It's like a grid. You've got a bunch of monsters. The monsters are different like types or colors, and you you can only chain like you want to move around, but you can only go from monsters of the same color. Okay, it looks cool. It's really simple. I I've enjoyed it. It's like it's the, it's a good phone game in that you can just kind of play it idly. Uh, but I think I've hit a point of diminishing returns for it. Uh, it gives you a lot. There's no microtransactions in it because it's Apple Arcade. 
Uh, but it feels like maybe there should have been. Like, it gives you a lot of, like, different materials that you can use to craft items. But so far, I don't feel like my resources have been depleted. I've, I've like, stockpiled a bunch of stuff just from playing the game. And they've not given me enough to do with it. Right. I want more power-ups and stuff. I, I feel like... Even though it doesn't have microtransactions, maybe it was at one point designed to have them in. I suppose if it was designed Me- for phones, it probably would have been at some uh, point I'd- until the album. Anyway. It's also available for Switch for £15. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't pay that much for it, mate. <laughs> anyway, those are the three I've been playing on Apple Arcade. Don't know if I'll continue with it. Maybe I'll have a look on some more stuff. But it was, it was a fun ride. Anyway, um, that, that's, think- that's Scott's big Apple Arcade review. There's an Apple Arcade game I really wanted to play, but I've forgotten what it was called or what it's even about. But I remember seeing an Apple Arcade game and being like, I want to play that. Uh, and it's uh, it's something that I wish I could Or have. maybe now I can play it for you. Tell me what it is. I'm going to find out for you. Oh, there's a Simon's Cat Match 3 game. Ooh. If you want to play something Simon's Cat. <laughs> NBA 2K21's on there. Let's have a look. I'm just trying to see if I can find what the game was because there's a lot of like um indie stuff on there which is pretty cool there's loads of stuff on there the path is it, meant to be really good pac-man party royale threes plus that's just threes fantasian that's it fantasian it's a um it's a jrpg Made by have a look at it. Mistwalker Corporation, who made the they basically it's people it's people who made the original Final Fantasies from like one to ten. They spun spun off and formed Mistwalker Corporation. Fantasian is a turn based JRPG, but all of the um, backgrounds uh, which your character runs around, rather than being like pre rendered CG, they're all handcrafted like dioramas. Oh, I like, like, like made like, and then just photos taken of those things. So it all it looks spectacular. Um, and your little three D character runs around that world. It just looks really nice. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll download it. Give it a download. It's a full on actual JRPG, and also, uh, it has what's called a dimension battle mechanic, where when you come across enemies, you can send them away to fight them later. So you can um streamline your combat and so you don't get interruption when you're exploring the locations and then when you come to the end of the location you'll be like okay let's fight all those enemies now and just fight them all in a go- in one go hmm. which is pretty cool for like phone game stuff I think I wish uh, Bravely Default had done that sort of it, it makes the grind a bit better maybe I don't know looks cool though I'd recommend giving that a download I have been. I finished up near Replicants. Mm. Also, World's End Club is also an Apple Arcade, which is coming out on Switch and looks good. And I might just buy it on Switch. What's World's End Club? It's the the game that's coming. There was a trailer in like the last Nintendo Direct where like it's about a group of kids. uh, Oh, I didn't like the look of this. Uh, No, no, I don't know what it was about. It's 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 like they go for like they they go to play some game, don't they? Um, All right, so no, you go ahead. And and then and then the game stops, and they come out of the game and realize that everyone's gone, and they say they try and figure out what's going on. Is that right? Uh, no, it's uh, okay. all right. I don't know. 
if this is like a minor spoiler, but it, it is like in the premise of the game. So okay. like, whatever, skip ahead like a minute if you don't want to hear it. Uh, but it's about a kid who are in that kind of plot are like kidnapped and like put into a game where they have to like kill each other like a battle royale. But yeah. really early on, they escape, they break out and it's them like wandering across Japan trying to get back home. Oh, okay. So, it's like, so it, it looked cool. I liked the trailer. Uh, I, I want to get it for Switch, but maybe if I can just get it through on Apple Arcade, I should play it there first. That's the I'll problem see. with some of these like uh, like Netflix-style like services, is that yeah. you you very quickly become like, oh, I might as well just keep the £5 going, because I can just play games on here rather than buying them. Which but Is it worth it? I mean, probably? Yeah. Probably. I'll see. Well, tune in next episode to see if it was worth it. <laughs> all right it's worth it as long then? as games like keep coming out for that service that you actually enjoy playing because that's uh, true some people I, get... it, like that's what i always say all these services they are value if you actually use them right yeah exactly like i'm i'm like, using game pass right now which i'll talk about in a bit quite a bit because i'm in between games yeah. at the moment like, like game pass if you would have bought one game that you played on game pass per month you've kind of got your money's worth more so yeah if you buy one if you would have bought one game and games cost like fifty pounds. That's like five months worth of Game mm-hmm. Pass. Um, yeah, so I've been, I finished up Near Replicants. Uh, I finished the B path. So as I mentioned before, Near Replicants, you play through the game, and then you get an ending, and it's all sad. And then you learn you learn a bit more about this world, and then you play through the second half of the game again, but with like new stuff being chucked in to give you a different perspective about what's going on and it completely changes like what's going what's what's happening um the story stays the same but your feeling towards the story is completely different like so now when i'm fighting these creatures rather than like cutscenes feeling triumphant and cool they feel sad and and sort of like really horrible and dark and it was really cool to have that that flip that flip on 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 the whole whole thing. I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, then when you finish B the B path, you need to then go get the C and D endings. I thought it's gonna be a case that like if I had all the stuff needed for the C and D endings, I could just get them right away. But no, uh, instead it wanted me to play through the second half of the game a third time to then get the C and D endings, and I wasn't prepared to do that so i just nope. watched them on youtube instead all right cool. i wasn't gonna spend another the game tested your patience it did it's, it was just like i'd already done every side quest and so it would have literally just been doing the same stuff i'd just done the past few hours doing like again and the idea of spending another five hours to which which isn't long in the grand scheme of things but was just a bit like i don't really want to do all that again so i just watched it on youtube instead and those endings are really good i really i really liked them I, i'm glad i could see them but not enough to replay that second half of the game again and do the same stuff again um that was a, a step too far for me but it was it was it was very much enjoyable i think if you left the side quests for the c path you'd probably be all right like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel as as monotonous as it did but because i did all the side quests in my in my first playthrough, the A path. By the time I'd done the B path, it was just like, okay, now do that all again, and you're like, mm, no thanks. So that's <laughs> okay. finished, and it was really great, and I loved it, and it's currently my game of the year. But that what that means is that a game, you know, it, affect, it affects me quite a bit, and it was it took over my life for a couple of weeks that I was playing it, 
and now I'm sort of in between games, like waiting for the next big release and nothing's really filling that hole. So I'm just jumping into bits of things and playing them for like a few hours and then jumping onto something else, which is, I don't know. I, I like having something big on the go. You know, you know, I, I like to have something that I'm like focused on and I don't really have that right now. So I've been playing a bit of Titanfall 2, which is an old game. And that's all, that's still really good. Uh, it's, it's on Game Pass. It's recently had an upgrade to, updates where you can play it up to 120 frames per second so playing that multiplayer and that sort of frame rate is really fucking cool uh so that's still a great game and i also the reason i'm going through a few things right now rather than going back and forth just because it's as part of the same tangent i suppose um destiny 2 as a game i finally decided i was going to give it a go and the gameplay of that the shooting mechanics are really cool but if we want to talk about wasting my time, fucking hell, does that game essentially waste your time? If you want to get into Destiny 2 now and understand what's going on, you cannot do that. Uh, earlier this year or last year, they introduced uh, content vaulting, where essentially they take some old content and they put it in a vault in order to keep the file size down and keep the game structured for the end game, I guess. But it means if someone comes into it... The whole first campaign of Destiny 2 before the expansions is currently vaulted. And so you jump in with characters just talking to you about some stuff that's going on in a story that you have no idea about. One guy started talking to me about some... He's like, oh, now that the pyramids are here, we're going to have a tough time fighting off these people. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is the first thing you said to me. I don't know what's going on. And so as much as I enjoyed the actual gameplay, I've played about 10 hours of it over the past uh, week or so. It it quickly became maybe not ten hours. I've played some hours of it over the past week or so, but it quickly came to a point where I didn't have anything to drive me forward because nothing made sense. So I asked on Destiny Two Reddit, I was like, "What should I be focusing on here? Should I be going through the expansions that are currently there one by one and then trying to pick up the story where I can?" And someone basically said, "Oh yeah, to understand the story, what we'd recommend doing is watching this four-hour law video," and linked me to a law <laughs> video. And I was, just, I'm just like. I'm not doing that. What the fuck are you talking about? Watch a four-hour lore video to understand the story of, a, of this game. Why don't they just have it in the game itself? So I, I uninstalled it. It's a really good game to play, but everything else around it is just bollocks. You get to the tower, and they just show, like, they're like, okay, here's everything you can do. Here's all the expansions. Here's all the people. This person gives you weapons. This person gives you engrams or lets you decode engrams or something. This is where the... Uh, the tournament takes place. This is the PvP section. You just run around a load of different different characters, and then it gives you like ten quests and says off you go. And then you just there's no like lead up, there's no build up. It's just here's a bunch of shit. Go do what you want. And if it's overwhelming for me, like chief game player, uh, it's going to be overwhelming yeah, for like just big regular people. Yeah, exactly. The big game boy is going to be overwhelming for normies, I guess. And I just don't understand what they're doing don't, with that. Don't use that word. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you're uh maybe you're disadvantaged by your need to understand the story maybe if you can just go if you could just jump in and be happy shooting things you'll probably have a really good time like i i, I enjoyed playing it when i was actually playing. if you're the kind of simpleton that cal despises <laughs> who just loves to shoot things and have honestly fun, scott you know you what <laughs> down time. scott download it give it a go and tell me what I don't want to I don't want to play Destiny 2. <laughs> I don't want to play it. I need you to understand what was going on. 
It's nonsense. Oh, Scott, you'd really like this game. Oh, no, you wouldn't. It. You wouldn't <laughs> like it. You would really hate it. Like, Where, where did you get it? On, it's on Game Pass. Oh, I don't. I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, yeah, it's all on uh, playing on Series X. It looks very we nice. Need to play, we need to play Game of Gears of War together. Gears of War Remastered. Yeah, we do. We should get that go at some point. Has it got crossplay between console and PC? Even if it doesn't, I could still do it. But uh, that came to mind because speaking of like games that we had fun with, where we couldn't understand the plot, Gears of War, <laughs> Gears of War is definitely up there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, so that's what I've been playing this week, and I've got a show to talk about. What I'll come, you can come back to me in a bit. Uh, what's your next bit? All right, I had the chance last weekend to play some board games with, um, with mates of mine. With people, with real people, people who live in my house, um, we had uh, some board games, some new board games uh, that we hadn't played before. Uh, there was a trio of historical games from GMT publisher, God. GMT Games, publisher of historical board games. Uh, oh, oh, actually, the first one is from Compass Games. It's a different publisher, but they're very, you know, similar style and presentation. So the people so, who live in your house, are they into this sort of stuff as well? Yeah. How have you managed that? Got a few gamers. Well, or have you moved in, forced the others out, and moved people in who have yeah, the same interests? Yeah, basically, basically, <laughs> I have. Okay, I like it. All right, I'm going to run through them. Go on. Number one, Brotherhood and Unity by Compass Games. This is a game uh, about the Yugoslav Wars. About the what wars? So the Yugoslav Wars. I thought you said the Ubisoft Wars. No, the, the Yugoslav Wars. Uh, if you're not familiar, I'm not. Uh, in after the breakup of the Soviet Union in the early nineties, uh, the state that was called Yugoslavia uh, basically broke up. They broke up into several smaller nations, and there were s- several horrible wars. Yep. Uh, <laughs> include and this game focuses on the war between Serbia, um, the Bosnians, and um, the Croatian, the Croatians, the Croats. Okay. Uh, pretty heavy subject matter. Yep. There, there was a horrible genocide of Bosnians. So why not um, make a game out of it, right? Well, it is, it, yeah, it's a historical, um, I guess, war game about kind of playing out that scenario. Um, you know, well, we play World War Two games. Yeah, and true. that involves some heavy subject matter. I mean, I'm not saying make, that we should treat uh, it the same way and you know, make light of it. I'm just saying you can abstract these things into a into a game kind of situation. Yeah, it was very it was very interesting. It was quite a gra- it was a, quite a granular war game, more of a granular war game than I played before because we're playing on a fairly kind of small bit of territory. In um, compared to like a a big World War Two game, you're playing kind of in territory of Serbia and Bosnia and Croatia and Herzegovina. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 interesting that it's not necessarily designed to be balanced. Like the Serbians do have quite a big advantage. So like what they you, did in real life? What do you actually do in the game? So like, what what okay. is each individual person doing? Okay, so in, you command um, armies. Uh, you basically have like units. You want to control your key territories because the actual conflict in real life was about territory and like ethnic contr- like ethnic conflict between different ethnic groups controlling certain territories. So you want to win, you want to control the, the territories that are key to your side. Okay. Uh, which are actual territories within uh, that area. Uh, so yeah, essentially you want to reach a, um, a certain number. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a big map and the map has basically like nodes, right? So... 
Um, like you have city spaces or like various places of interest that you can move units between in like a node system. So you don't just move anywhere, you move between locations. Yeah. And um, if you control um, key locations in a region, you control that region and you get points based off it. So you need to control uh, all your key regions and have a certain number of points as well. Okay. So the, the game consists of uh, essentially play, card play from your hands so you can play as a deck of cards you, you know you draw from that deck every turn and you pl uh, you switch off playing cards in your hand you can use those cards to you know those cards have kind of events that historical events or you can use the, the points value of those cards to do various operations like moving your troops around uh like doing battles and various or raising armies and things like that so it was yeah it was very uh very interesting um there's a lot of granularity there uh, in terms of like terrain that you're on and like uh, the composition of your forces, and uh, it's quite quite tense. There's um, I I enjoyed the um the diplomatic functions wherein you um because you want to control your key territories, it means you're not necessarily in direct conflict with each other all of the time. Right. So there's an interesting um, especially the Croats and the Bosnians probably want to work together against the Serbians uh for a bit, and um, it has an interesting. Uh, international mechanic as well, where if you're if you are too horrible, if your if your actions are too horrific, the UN will just invade and end the game. <laughs> Who's in charge of that? Uh, it is things you do in the game will lower your diplomatic standing. Right. Okay. And if you get to a certain level, the game's just over. Just like real you life. Too, you were too bad. Yeah. And the UN invades. Yeah. Um, basically takes control. It was an interesting game. I um, yeah, I would definitely be able to play it again. I would say don't if you're new to historical board gaming, don't choose it as your first one. Okay. Um, it's quite a specific uh, subject matter yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, but I quite en I enjoyed Brotherhood of Unity. I'll play it again. Uh, next one, All Bridges Burning by GMT Games. Uh, so this is an entry in GMT Games' long-running coin series of games, Counter Intelligence. Uh, so the the concept of these games is that you have usually four players, and you're all playing. Um, different size in a conflict that is asymmetrical. So the classic example is like a there's like a Vietnam one where you've got one player playing the Americans, one player playing the the South Vietnamese government, one player playing North Vietnam, and another player playing the Viet Cong. Right. Uh, Can so I quickly say ahead of time, um, I just looked yeah. up. I've looked up images of both these games. They look yeah. the same. <laughs> They're not the same. <laughs> the map um, looks exactly the same, <laughs> just in reverse. Well, one, one game is Finland and the other game is yeah. Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah. Other than with this one being covered in snow, everything else looks the same. All right, carry on. So the idea, the idea of the game is asymmetrical, right? So you have like a big, powerful thing like the USA, and then you have like the um, the, the insurgent force, and they play very differently, and they have different victory conditions as well. This All Bridges Burning is one of the latest entries in the series, and it's um it's only three players, so it's designed for three players. Uh, so it's a bit smaller, a bit quicker than a lot of the other coin games. Yeah, uh, and it's um it was also the first. Uh, is it the first because they they did one about Gandhi as well? Uh, but it is one of the first to feature a completely non-violent faction as well. So this one is about the Finnish civil war, nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen. Uh, one player plays the Reds, the kind of Finnish communists. The another player plays the the cadets, which is the the kind of fairly kind of centre right uh, establishment Finns. Uh, and then another player 
Oh, it's kind of right wing, not centre right, more like pretty right wing. Yeah. The cadets, uh, and then one player plays the moderates, the people who just want everyone to get along and compromise. Were they centre right at the time? Uh no, I would say the, the cadets were quite right wing. Um, yeah, basically like the pro, um, the anti-communists, like the pro, the establishment. Okay. Uh, yeah, things. Um, you might call them like proto-fascists. I don't know if that's a fair label to use for for, for the cadets. Uh, but they they were basically the anti-communist side. Right. Uh, so anyway, and then you've got the moderates who want everyone to get along. Yeah. So you've got different victory conditions. <laughs> the centrist. Uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. First of all, uh, yeah, the centrist. <laughs> First of all, we, we knocked out a game in like two and a half hours, which for a coin is pretty quick. Like normally a coin game is like an all-day affair. But this one, you can play pretty punchy, which I appreciated. The, uh, it it felt the like... only board game I've played, which is other than like D and D, but board games which last like a long time, uh, there's a space warfare one. Um, Twilight Imperium. That's the one that lasts a long yeah, time. That's a big. That's a big. It's a big one. Uh, all yeah, all bridges burning. Uh, it was a lot of fun. First of all, so it's quick uh, because there's only three players. You don't go that long without playing a turn. Right. And also, um, the, the way the game works is you have a big deck of cards. You draw a card every turn. Uh, and then, depending on the play order that you're in, you can choose to either do the event on the card or do a, like a, some kind of command. You've got a list of commands you can do, etc. And what you do for that card influences where you'll be in the play order next turn. Right. So, uh, if you do like a big command, you'll be ineligible next turn. You won't get to go. You have to wait until the card after that. If you do some other stuff, you'll be kind of first or second, etc. So... Uh, it's, they've they've um, decreased the number of things that will make you ineligible. So now only doing a full command uh, makes you ineligible. I don't, this is too specific for this podcast. <laughs> but the bit. point is, <laughs> they they've increased the num the the opportunities you have to play. Okay, you don't love one, one of one of the things that um, maybe people don't like about big, the bigger coin games is that you sometimes go a, like if you do an action, you have to wait until like. You only play like every other card. This one, you'll play most of the cards. How long up. can that be so, in between turns sometimes? Uh, if it's a big game, it can be a while, especially if your opponents have got like analysis paralysis where they're just like taking a long time yeah. about their turns. Uh, All Bridges Burning, I'd actually recommend it if you want an introductory coin game. If you're interested in like historical war games like this, I would say coin is... I like coin. Uh, I would recommend something like All Bridges Burning uh, because it's quicker, you only need three people, and you have some truly different play styles, like the moderates. I, d I didn't get to play the moderates, I played both reds and whites, uh, but the moderates have quite an interesting thing where they're just trying to gain resources and they're trying to balance political issues and uh, gain fame and stuff. Interesting. So if you're, if you're someone who wants to get into this sort of thing and you have two other friends who also want to get into this sort of thing, this is the yep. one to go for. Who want to play a game about the Finnish Civil War? <laughs> yeah, um, this is really recommended. Okay. Finally, final time of crisis. Time of crisis. This is probably my least favourite, but I only played it once, so maybe I need to play it a bit more. It's a game about the uh, a time of crisis. It's about the times of turmoil in the Roman Empire, kind of third century AD, fourth century AD, uh, where you each play up to four players, but we only played it with three. Uh, uh, each player plays like a Roman noble family and you want to 
build a legacy to last a lifetime, to, build, to last the course of history. So you're trying to basically just become famous. Okay. Um, you can do that by becoming emperor. You can do that by controlling a lot of territory. Uh, but the unique thing for Time of Crow says is it's like a deck builder and a war game. So you've got like a deck of cards. Uh, the cards will allow you to do stuff. Like you've got three different, you've got like political, military and like civic points. They allow you to do different actions. And then um, also the number of territories you control will allow you to buy more cards into your deck. Um, and then next turn, you'll they'll get shuffled in. Actually, you don't shuffle. You get to choose which cards you you put into your hand. Uh, but you've got to go through your whole deck before you can get your discard pile, right? right. So the idea is you're building this deck uh, that you're that you'll get better and better cards in it, which will allow you to do more and more things until you eventually win. Yes. Uh, so you so you're playing your cards to do things on like the big map to like move your armies. Do and it's a it's a good looking map. This one it looks very different to the other games. It, it's Roman, yeah, it's good. Uh, my major criticism of this is, uh, first of all, I think three players. I think it needs to be played with two or four because three players. What happened is we each chose like a bit of the map, um, and what will normally happen is. Two of the players will pick something on the outskirts and one player will inevitably get sandwiched in the middle and will get kind of screwed over from both sides. I feel like you need four players so everyone has an opponent on either side of them or two players so no, there's two people on the map. Three players felt a bit uh, unbalanced. But also my kind of major criticism of this game is what normally happens in deck builders is you're building this kind of engine, right, with your deck. You get cards. The better cards allow you to do more stuff. Doing more stuff allows you to get better cards. And you you want to be accelerating all the time, right, uh, until you win. And what normally happens with a deck builder, unless you're all, like, very evenly matched, what will normally happen is one player will run away with the game, right? They will accelerate faster than everyone else, and that will they will win. Right. Uh, but and and if you're playing like a a regular card game, like popular deck builders are like Dominion or like Race of the Galaxy, where a game lasts like thirty or forty minutes, that's kind of all right. You you have a go. One player pulls ahead, they win. But there you don't spend that long in the in between period from oh maybe I've got a shot to oh no they're way far <laughs> ahead of me I've lost. And like that's fine. So you you play like a thirty minute game, and like oh you know you you win or you lose, but you have a good time, and you don't spend that long knowing that you can't win. Time of Crisis takes about two and a half, three hours. <laughs> so and then, but yeah, you see the problem is that uh, you know you with a deck builder you want to be accelerating all the time, and if you don't accelerate. If you don't snowball as fast as other people, it's really hard to catch back up. So it's like, quite not clear lot... that you're not going to win quite early on. Yes. And you've got to wait yeah, three hours before you realize. You'll get to like a point actually... into the game. Yeah. yeah, probably by like the hour mark, you'll probably know. If, if you've really, if your progress has really not started, you can probably get the sense. And there's not a lot of catch-up mechanics, right? It is accelerate or die. So you will... So can you not at it... that point so... just be like, look, there's no way I can win with... I resign you can no there's no mechanic for that and the problem with that in games is it's kind of a dick move to the people who are still competitive because sure. if, if, you're, gonna win anyway. if you're losing but if you're losing and two other players oh, are right, really yeah. two other players, out, yeah it's kind of like a dick move to to do that i was thinking solely like 1v1 yeah if one player is really clearly going to win but if you've got two people who are like competing and one player who's really not it's kind of it's a bit annoying, yeah. and 
I don't know for like a two and a half, three hour game if it gets a bit too much. Like I don't, I feel like someone's going to walk away having a bad time. Maybe I just need to play more games of it um, because maybe its mechanics will become clearer in time. But I think that kind of deck builder um, snowball mechanic is not well suited to a big war game that's going to no. take a long time. You know when I talk about Final Fantasy stuff and you have no idea what's yeah. going on? That's <laughs> that's how this is for me. Sure. <laughs> wow. It, it looks cool though. Like looking at the look at the image. I, maybe I should give this sort of thing a go. Um, well, it depends if you can find people to play it with you. Oh, I can't. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, there's no maybe, way that anyone I know. Maybe if we ever if we ever see each other again in real life, we can play a nice GMT game. Fingers crossed. One second. I'm just going to go. Um, I think my window's slightly open because I can hear the kids all nearby right. screaming. Sure. Uh, so apologize if that's come up on the podcast at all. Honestly. Children, eh? Who'd have them? Who'd have them? Who'd have them? You, I was speaking to a friend, actually, who's, who's got a child right now, and they have their child in nursery for one day a week, and it costs them £220 a month. My God. That's nuts, isn't it? Imagine if you had your yeah. child, have a child in nursery all, like, all the time, like, each day. That would be well, five times that, right? Yeah. Jesus, that'd be like half. God, just one thousand two. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, so yeah, it's that's kids are kids are tricky beings, uh, expensive beings. Um, I've been watching a TV show which I mentioned briefly last time called Ted Lasso. Uh, it's about an American football coach who is brought over to the UK to coach an English Premier League team, uh, the fictional AFC Richmond, despite having no experience at all in association football. And it's... Uh, it's is Wait, he's an American football Yeah, American football coach. He's got, yeah, okay. yeah, and he comes to, to coach uh, an English football team. Um, is that because of some mix-up? No. Is it it's, so you, you quickly, across the, the first episode, you realise that the, the new manager of the, of the football club... Um, who is named Rebecca Welton. She's a new owner of the of, of the football club following her divorce settlement, and she wants to ruin the team as it's the only thing her ex-husband loved. And so she, she brings across this American football coach to try and humiliate the team as much as possible. And then, of course, the series is about him winning people around, uh, winning the team around, and coaching them to not just become better football players, but better people as a whole. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very heartwarming and, and nice comedy show about people getting better and becoming the best versions of to themselves. To really get the edge in the British Football League, you've got to use some unconventional tactics. Yeah, yeah. So it's um and it's really fucking good. Like it's 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 a show that I that I cried at and I and I laughed with and it's it's I really grew to like all of these characters. I mentioned before I'm not into football whatsoever. And yeah, I was really rooting for like the characters in this show. It's it's just such a nice, heartwarming show that I I, I loved it. And there's a series two coming out uh, later this year, and then a final season next year, I think. Uh, it's gonna be three seasons in total, ten episodes per season. Might be twelve episodes next season, actually. But yeah, it's it's on Apple TV Plus. So I've um after watching through Mythic Quest, which has now started its second season, I was like, what else is on this this Apple TV Plus thing? And 
it's a lot more there's, there's a lot less on it than than the, like Netflix or 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 Amazon Prime for example but it feels more curated because of that and so there's a lot of shows on there where I'm actually kind of interested in I'm not like suddenly I so, don't have suddenly too much choice like I I tend to find with like Netflix and stuff I'll stick to like the same sort of thing because there's so much choice on there they just chuck anything at the wall and hope that some stuff sticks and that can be kind of like what what should I put my time into when I don't know if it's going to get another series or not because they just have so many things and then whatever ends up being good they'll make a second series of that or a third series of that whereas with Apple TV it looks like the things they've got all of them have second seasons coming or third seasons coming and so it really feels like you can actually spend like dedicate some time to watch some stuff on here without feeling like you're wasting your time because it's not going to continue like you're not going to end up with a series that ends on a cliffhanger one season and doesn't get a follow-up which i think happened with at least two netflix shows so it's 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 good i'm really enjoying it it's probably my favorite streaming service right now because there's things on there i want to watch i'm also currently watching through a, a animated show called central park which is a musical comedy by the creators of Bob's Burgers and has that same sort of styling and comedy and things. It's um, it's good, but Ted Lasso especially, really great. I'd recommend it. Do you have some other things you wanted to add on to? Oh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, Civ 4 AI Survivor Season 6. You, I remember on. You, you had this last year as well, didn't you? Um, the yes, AI Survivor. so AI Survivor. It's run by a, uh, a games... Um, He's got a YouTube channel, he's got a Twitch channel, he's also got a website, which is how I found him. You know, he he did his, like written reports of his games. Yeah. It's a guy who goes by the name of Sula online. That's three L's, S U Triple L A. He's kind of a long standing uh, player of like strategy games and was involved in like the civilization community and, and all that. And he, he plays a lot of strategy games and he likes to write about them. I've always found his reports to be very interesting. Uh, he does like a lot of interesting variants of games and so on. And um, one of the things that he does, uh, occasionally on his uh, Twitch and YouTube channel, he will do a game called, a variant game called Civ 4 AI Survivor. So Civilization 4 is a turn-based strategy game in the Civilization series. And uh, what AI Survivor is, is uh, basically setting up a bunch of AIs on an island and no player. Yeah. The player does not participate. Um, you have to set up a player civilization, but for to observe it, but you put them off on like an island that the AIs cannot reach and you'll never meet the AIs. Uh, so you do that and um and sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, you do that <laughs> and then you watch the AIs duke it out basically. Yeah. Uh, to see who will win. And um there's a lot of people watch it, you kind of about two to three hundred people watch their streams. And um, there's also like a picking contest where just for fun, you can kind of submit uh, what who you think you choose, who you think will win uh, every game. So it, every AI will play. So there are eight initial rounds. And then the AIs who come first and second in the initial rounds go to the playoffs. And then the AIs who come first and second in the four playoff rounds go into the final where they compete to see who will be the, the winner of this season of AI Survivor. So it's very much so the pick- same as what happened last year. Is there anything that differs it? 
Uh, it's a very similar for it's a very similar format. Uh, this year, I don't. They're doing like a fantasy AI survivor draft. Okay. Uh, a few people from the community have d drafted their ideal team, uh, so that's fun. It, other than that, it is quite a similar format this year. Apart from the fact that they've set all the all the initial games, the eight initial games, the maps have been set in advance. And, okay. Um, and so on. But for those who are not familiar with it, every game you get to pick. Who you think will win? Who you think will come in second? Uh, how? What victory method you think will happen? The turn number that victory will happen, and who will be first to die? Sort of like fantasy and, football, apart from it has Gandhi in yeah, it. Yeah, kind of. And you get you get points um, based on uh, how you do. Everyone's um, points in the first game. I think there's kind of a massive upset uh, because. Um, it, like it was a game of like Judas Caesar, Gandhi, and Pericles, like good AIs, and then <clears throat> some really bad AIs like Frederick of Germany, Sitting Bull, Joao of Portugal, <coughs> on this map. And Julius, I picked Julius Caesar to win. He got eliminated first. God, okay. and it was actually um, I believe Sitting Bull won, or was it Frederick? The two worst AIs came first and second. Anything can happen. Yeah, I, anything can happen in Civ 4 AI Survivor. So that was a big upset. I've not watched Game 2 yet. That was streamed yesterday, but I'll watch it soon. Uh, so yeah, that's fun. I love it. You can check it out. Check out Sula online. S-U-Triple-L-A. I like these games. You can see his Twitch and YouTube. It might be fun if you like the game of Civ 4 and you like seeing the weird AI personalities and the quirks that come out when you just watch them duke it out against each other. the theme with some, some of the things you've raised today all being about <laughs> some, some war stuff. Uh, a few... Or, well, a lot of games are about fighting. Yeah, they are. It's true. Um, what's Nowhere Profit? Nowhere Profit is a game I played on Xbox Game Pass. It is basically Hearthstone and FTL crossover oh, game. my sort set of shit. In a post-apocalypse. Yeah, I've, I quite enjoyed it. So it is... Um, you're in the post-apocalypse. You're a band of roving survivors. Uh, you're, you've got the overworld map where you're trying to reach kind of the other side of the map. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you go between the locations. You usually get like a, a, a prompt, a text prompt, and some choices about what you can do. And if you get into a fight, which you will frequently, you go onto the, um, into a Hearthstone-like uh, card game. Okay. Where you are, uh, it's Hearthstone-like, so you've got a deck and you play, you know, you play cards. You're trying to defeat the enemy hero. Uh, so it's, it's, it's quite like that. You can attack the hero. You can attack their summons. There is a grid-like system. So you put it down like a hexagonal grid. Uh, you can only, with the twist is, uh, you can only attack uh, what's in front of you. So if you put a friendly a friendly summon behind another summon, you've got, they're, they're not going to be able to attack forward. Yeah, okay, I get you. So so you've got a bit of a positional game like that. It's a lot of fun. I, I like the aesthetic. Um and of course, as you're moving through the post-apocalypse, you've got like resources. So you've got every move costs you food. And obviously you don't want to run out of food. Every move. Managing... Did you say move? Every 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 move. Oh, costs I you heard food. I heard mood. I was yeah. like, every you're, you're, move. You are managing you, food. you are managing your mood as well. Okay. You've got hope. If you run out of hope, that's bad. So like <laughs> yeah, FTO, you've got heard like that, fuel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It's a solid game. Uh, I would probably. I, it's a, a game I wish I had on Switch. I guess. But is that I on wish, Switch? It is out on Switch. I don't know if I'll pay money for okay. it on Switch. Yeah. It's in that kind of area where would I pay retail price for this game? 
maybe it sounds like you're I recommend you give it a go Cal because yeah, I think you might really like it's it on Xbox. I it's, quite, it's on Game Pass for PC is it also it's on, on Xbox Game Pass for PC Pass. I don't know Nowhere Profit because I enjoyed it but I do feel like I've had my fill of FTL it felt a bit too similar to FTL and okay, Hearthstone yeah, to like to really grab me uh, maybe it's just something I'm not looking for right now uh, because I can easily see myself whacking on a podcast and playing a game like this. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's just not the mood I've got right now. I recommend you check it out. It's a good game. I searched game. Xbox Game Pass, nowhere profits, and it's just a bunch of new- news articles saying Xbox Game Pass isn't very profitable. Uh, Xbox has I never see. turned a profit on any of its devices. You know I mean? Profit <laughs> is felt like a like a religious profit. Yeah, I know. I'd still, I don't know why yeah. I'd still come but, up with but, like, but this But Google's auto-corrected it for you. <laughs> so weird. Okay, I found it now. Um, All right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't spell profit wrong. <laughs> it's just Google right. thought I did. <laughs> oh. So I did that thing where it's like... Right, I'm going to try and get through... I'm going to try and get through these other games. My throat's going a bit because I was chanting a lot. <laughs> you've been playing... Today. It, we flipped it around this week where you've played, played done the most stuff. stuff. Yep, exactly. Um, Genesis Noir is a adventure game uh, set... In before the Big Bang, you're trying to stop the Big Bang from happening. Yeah, it's got a really cool art style, like black and white. It's got a really cool art style, but the setup is it's before the Big Bang, but it's kind of in a noir style, you know, detect uh, space ethereal New York style city where you're like a noir detective and you're trying to stop um, the Big Bang from happening because what's happened is, um, yeah, it's uh, you've kind of got a it's all told, no dialogue, so it's all told through visuals alone. Yeah. Uh, so you've kind of got a, your your girl, your, and she's um, in the process of being shot by a, an assailant. Um, and as he, he fires a big bullet, uh, time has like stopped, it's slowed down. Um, so you're trying, and that bullet, if it hits, is going to cause the Big Bang. So you're trying to stop the Big Bang from happening. Yeah. This is a game uh, where, that I wish was like an animated film. Yeah. <laughs> From what I've played so far, and I've played a couple of hours, uh, the game is kind of a bit simple, right? Yeah. There's not the the puzzles are not really puzzling. It's very much like here's an item, use an item on this, keep doing that as you walk around this map. I mean, that's adventure games, isn't it? But it's, there's never any question about what you're supposed to do, or there's nothing to puzzle out. So there's there's no much- like combined bucket with. Uh, no, bigger and uh, and I'm statue. I'm not looking for moon logic, like, but I I would be nice if there was something for my brain to do. Yeah, and maybe it comes along. I don't know if there is going to get I more. I don't think it's a very long game. I think it's only like four but, hours. Yeah, but I I feel like it would. I wish it would have. If it had been an animated film, or I would really have enjoyed it. The actual gameplay parts feel a bit redundant to me. Yeah, I, I feel I, um, like I played. It's it. very much like. Here's an item. Use an item on this thing, which is right nearby you. Do that. Repeat that a few more times. Like, there's no puzzling involved. I played it briefly, um, and by <laughs> briefly, I mean like I'm talking like ten minutes because yeah. in the background, it's, it's it's all black and white, and in the background of it is like is like a constantly changing shades of grey, just like flickering between them all um, as part of like the look look of it all. And it just hurt my eyes to look at for too long, so I had to stop. Unfortunately, that's fair. Uh, I think like I think visuals are great, the animation's great, music wonderful. Again, if this was like an animated film, I'd be really enjoying it. And still, check it out. Like the gameplay parts are not bad. They're not, you know, they don't 
necessarily detract from it. I just feel like I'd rather see the next bit of an- like big animation yeah. than the next set piece than go around doing a kind of menial task. Like, so, like they, set, anyway. they set out to make a cool looking game and then got too focused on that part of it rather than the game part of it. Yeah, or I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe they wish they're making a film or uh, that's kind of, that's, uh, that's cruel. I don't want to say that because that kind of implies that like this was their second choice which i don't think it was like i think they did design it as a game it's just yeah the gameplay parts are not um not very interesting the interesting parts of the animated segments yeah. like okay. and I, obviously the whole game is animated but the animated pieces the set pieces yeah okay so it, it's on xbox game pass like go check it out um it might make a good like crowd game if you and your your friends or your partner whoever are um I just want a game to play in an afternoon. Download it, get, play it together. You'll probably the the group experience will probably make it more enjoyable. Yeah, I, it's if if definitely if you have Game Pass, check it out. Um, it's out on Switch as well, it, I think. It's out on Switch as well, which you would make a good fit for. Uh, but you know, just go into it thinking you're gonna watch like a nice animation and have to move a controller then, every now and then. Yeah, every yeah. now and then it'll demand you move a controller about. Okay. Finally. <laughs> Mass Effect Legendary first impressions. So I messaged you on Friday being like, look, I know every time I buy a big release at full price at launch, I get burnt. But But it's Mass Effect, here we which go. is like your thing. It's Mass Effect. And I've not been burnt yet. So i I'm a I'm a few hours into the first game, obviously. Where did you get it? I have played I got it through Steam. Okay, yep, yeah, cool. Uh so I played Mass Effect one and two. Uh originally I, I didn't play three. I only got a few hours into three. Uh, so I played Mass Effect 1 or 2. I played Mass Effect 1 twice, actually, when it came out. Uh, so I'm playing Mass Effect 1 again. Uh, it is visuals updated. I would say the visuals are not spectacular, but they do undoubtedly look better than yeah, the original I mean, version. It's ultimately, and that's you put to paint over so, an existing thing, isn't it? So it's, there's only so much you can yep. do. Some of the, com- the, the combat interface for Mass Effect 1 has been updated. Yes. The brought more in line, and that that's fine. Uh, apart from that, it is Mass Effect... Um, so I'll give my first impressions. First of all, I, I, as I played it, I thought this is this is a bit campier than I remember. <laughs> I remember at age fifteen, I thought or sixteen, I thought that this was a very serious no. science fiction story. Yeah. Uh, this is a bit campier yeah. than I remember. I think that's especially true with Mass Effect One. Like I think Mass Effect Two plays it a bit more cool, uh, but Mass Effect One is a big campy space opera yeah, with a villain who gets angry and like screams in his dark ship on the bridge of his dark there's ship. There's no there's no doubt who the villain is of this of this piece. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh so <laughs> that, that's fun. But I appreciate it. But the main thing that strikes me going back to it is just how much like care is put into the, yeah. the world building they've done. And that's really cool. Like I still think Mass Effect has like a cool world. It's the only one of the only games that and Dragon Age Origins are the games that I will like read the codex entries for. Oh really? Because I think it's really cool. I will. Uh, I did read all the codex entries on my foot when I played it originally and um, just because I think it's really cool there's a lot of cool background details yeah, about the world and um I appreciate um how much like detail they packed into it See, I found, and I you found get the, the Dragon Age world kind of boring uh, oh, I like I, I, wasn't, I, was, I was into Dragon Age itself and I, I, I've played Dragon Age 1 and 2 uh, and I was into that but the actual like world around it I just sort of found a bit uh, generic. Were, I thought the codex especially like all the religious stuff in Dragon Age oh, okay, was really yeah. cool. Maybe I should maybe I should have given that a look. I don't I, yeah, I, I tend to avoid maybe. codex stuff <laughs> usually. 
Yeah, like I'm not a fan of it because it normally like stops the game. Yeah. Although to be fair, this was in the early days of using it, and the game does tell like a real story. Like I think some developers use like extensive codex entries as an excuse not to tell a story in the game. Yes. But this one, um, like. I, I like it, and I I think you can really tell that Mass Effect was a labour of love for Bioware. Yeah, and um, that every every bit of the game like oozes effort and like care that they put into it. All, all the sound effects are it, from the start of that first sound effect playing when you press like any key to like start the game, like a little uh, but, uh, bloop I, I, it's sort like of a sound. Bing, yeah, dunk, yeah. Oh, I, I good, was home. Good menu noises are so important. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> Anyway, it's Mass Effect. I really love those games, and revisiting it, I've not been, I've not had anything shattered. Uh, you know, it's campier than I remember, but it's still a lot of fun. Because that's the fear, isn't uh, it? When you return to like these games which you love when you're fifteen, yeah, or sixteen, will it be, will it be rubbish? I mean, obviously, Mass Effect's always been held in high regard, but there's definitely always that fear of like, was it held in high regard because it was the first of these sort of things, and now that other games have moved on, will it feel aged? But it yeah. sounds like it doesn't I mean, feel particularly aged to you. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you probably already know whether you're interested in Mass Effect Legendary. Uh, if you've never played Mass Effect and you are at all interested, I'd probably recommend giving it a go. Yeah. Uh, if you obviously if you it's not gonna change your mind if you didn't like Mass Effect before. I um I almost bought this, but I've got uh so on later on this month I've got another game coming out which I wanted to play. And I think it will end up on Game Pass Ultimate eventually. Because EA plays on Game Pass Ultimate, I think, after six yeah, months, it, stuff it, goes on yeah, to that. Probably. So I might just yep. wait the six months and play it then. Or I won't care at that point. But yep. I'm glad you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. That's yep, good. So anyway, that's my thoughts on Mass Effect Legendary. Carl, I've talked enough. <laughs> Do some talking for a while. Okay, I'm going to go on to the news then. You good to go to the news? Yeah, I okay. Let me talk a little bit about the Epic Games versus Apple stuff that's going on then. It's, it's stuff which I imagine you don't care particularly much about, so I don't mind. Well, it, it is, I mean, there are some interesting things that yeah. have come out from the trial that have been made public record. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, like, it's two massive corporations flinging shit at each other. Yes, it is. So I don't I, I don't care who wins, <laughs> because whoever wins, we lose. I'm not so certain uh, about us is... losing in, in this scenario, based on some of the things that have come out so far. Why is that? Um... I mean, one of the interesting things from it, so, so to, for some background here, Epic Games is taking on Apple in court that, in a trial that could basically change how the App Store and App Stores in general work. Um, back in August last so, year, Epic added a direct payment mechanism to Fortnite, which is in violation of Apple's rules. Apple's rules state that your, if your app is on their, is on their platform... You cannot add something which lets people pay you directly. It always has to go through. I, I, Apple. I believe the rule is if you obviously if you do any transactions via the app, yeah. Apple gets a cut. It goes through Apple. You you can have ways of purchasing like things that don't go through the app, but you can't. I believe the Apple terms of service is you can't direct people's yeah, attention right. to it in the app. Yeah, if it's it's if you're buying things through the app on the App Store, Apple needs to take a thirty percent cut of that of that at uh, those earnings just for so, just for the fact that you're on the app store epic uh, epic is selling obviously their own proprietary in-game currency v bucks uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously it's a completely uh, arbitrary thing yeah. unique to fortnite uh, epic did not want to pay the fees to apple um the 30 percent cut so they basically 
unilaterally said no. Yeah. Where they they updated the app to give to provide and draw attention to a direct payment method. Apple um, removed the game from the App Store because it was in violation of their terms of service. So basically, Epic has taken Apple to court, arguing that Apple's practice of not allowing direct payment methods in app is uncompetitive. That's right. Um, so with the with this trial. Uh, the, the this case is being held in the US. Yeah, the result of this though would fundamentally force Apple to change how would, the App Store works. For if, all... if a judge, if if a court ruled in Epic's yeah. favor, yes, it would mean Apple would have would be uh, would have to provide a or at least there'd be legal precedent for Apple having to allow direct payment options in apps. So some interesting things have come out from this um, this lawsuits so far or the trial so far first of all uh, two weeks ago when the trial actually started off they accidentally opened up the so it's so it's it's been done in court in person but journalists can listen through online uh through like a zoom, a zoom chat or something and they accidentally opened up the chats to everyone uh to be able to say some things and so the start of the trial was dogged by kids logging in and screaming free Fortnite and plugging their YouTube channels yep. over the voice chats, uh, which is just, you, <laughs> you'd think over a year into this thing, they would figure this out by now, but apparently not. I guess they weren't expecting kids to, to suddenly do that or to care that much about, um, about Fortnite. Uh, we, we basically discovered that in the first two years of Fortnite existing, Epic made nine billion dollars in revenue yeah. from it. So, 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 have put that in perspective. Nine billion dollars across two years, and they don't want to give anything to Apple. No. They want more. They want more than than, than that. Um, it also not that, like fuck Apple, yeah. but fuck Epic as well. It also came to light that um, Apple re- Apple suggested to Epic, oh, we'll um, we'll lower the fee for you if you'd like, and Epic denied it unless everyone got it. So there, there has there has certainly been precedent where Apple has said, "Okay, we can do this for you," and Epic said, "No, we want it for everyone," which is a good thing. That that's that's where I'm like, okay, not everyone loses here. You know, if if Epic get their way, and there is now precedent of them in the past, rather than just in in this in this particular trial setting, of them wanting to do something not just for themselves, well, which is Epic, I think good. Epic is good. Epic is has a keen eye to PR, right? So they, but they this, are well but this, aware. This, they was, this was locked. Image. This was locked information. This was over over email. This hadn't been released prior to this. This was like two years ago that this conversation took place. They, mm. they, they're not releasing this because of PR. They're releasing this because it's le- part of the legal well, documents. But they, if if Apple gave in, then they could use it as PR. Oh yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Like like yeah. I th- I think Epic have a keen eye to. Um, uh, and maybe they were. Um, this is just my my speculation. Maybe they were liable planning even then. You know, they knew it might end up in court, right? Yeah. But my point is, Epic. What's good for the goose is good for the gander until it's not, right? Because all these things and Epic, no doubt, has done some things which will benefit other companies, but also only if it is in their interest as well. And I feel like. Don't basically what I'm saying is don't be fooled. No, of course not. The, the moment the moment your interests, uh, whether you're an indie developer or a consumer, the moment your interests conflict with Epic's interests, they will 
screw you over, right? Especially because on the flip side of that, a key part of this argument, a key part of what they've said, the reason they want to be able to sell their stuff directly through um, themselves rather than through the App Store is because because of the App Store uh, extra sort of like payment requirements, uh, it's a lot harder for people to impulsively buy V-Bucks through yeah. uh, Fortnite and, the and Epic spelled that out. Yeah, they before. did. They yeah. literally said, um, you know, it was Epic's boss, I think, the CEO of Epic. Tim Sweeney. Said, Tim Sweeney literally said, yes, that is a factor. Yeah. The fact is, if they, if they can't buy directly through the app, it will mean they're less likely to make impulse purchases. And the, and the, so, the argument being raised there is, okay, so what you want ultimately from this, if, or at least the argument Apple, uh, Apple's making against them to try and sort of stop this, is, oh, so you want to have easier chances for kids to, to to sell stuff to kids yeah i mean which is a fair Apple argument seems to, yeah they, and apple's argument seems to be that and also why are you targeting us when other companies do a similar thing yeah. which you know whatever um but yeah so epic, i think epic has a keen eye for pr epic is also a long-term planner because um some other stuff that got leaked out about the Epic Store, yes, and how they are basically prepared not to turn a profit until twenty twenty seven. Yeah, that's right. They 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 so, are they are w- more than willing to lose money yeah. on the on in order to build up their store as well, which is to build up a like a, mon- a dominance, a monopoly, really. Uh, so uh, just to just to remember that when Epic, you know, refused to take uh, a lowered fee for themselves and not everyone else, it's not like they were. You know, they were on the verge of bankruptcy and they said, no. oh, no, we, we wouldn't. You know, they they were making billions of dollars of revenue per year, right? They were already making a huge profit. They So they could afford to not make more profit if it fit in with their long-term plan, right? Yeah, of course. But Epic doesn't want to end monopolies. Epic wants to be the monopoly. Yeah. Just, like, remember that. So and it's just something about that. Like, I... Epic is consciously, in my opinion, consciously cultivating a cult of personality around itself. Like they very much want to portray themselves as like for the gamers, for the for the small guys. They they want to be the uh, the champion of the people, the nice company. And they're not. No big corporation is nice. <laughs> Just remember that. And it really creeps me out the extent to which they are they are trying to foster this benevolent. Image. I mean, it works as well. Yeah, I mean, friend. if you go back to the the kids yelling "free Fortnite" at the yeah, start of the Fortnite, uh, start of the exactly. thing, like they're very much on board with that. It's part. It leads into so, like them. So what they what they they talk extensively in this court case about what they want Fortnite to be, for some reason, uh, is a metaverse. So uh, so they had to explain uh-huh. to the judge what metaverse is, and for for those who maybe don't, don't they don't know, just want it to be a. They want Fortnite to basically be a a Ready Player One style thing where loads of uh-huh. different. Um, yes. They, they, things come they don't together. They want it to be a to be a game. They want it to be like a venue for like the experiments they've done yeah. for like music and movies and and it's cool. And just that stuff's cool. Interaction. I don't think it's cool. I think it's kind of horrifying. I can't. I, I, I don't want. Stuff is I don't want Epic to own like a whole other reality. And I don't want them to own it. Sounds- own, own like own a reality. But I think it's an interesting to have that stuff there until it gets to the uh, point I, where it's the sole place for that stuff. I don't think. I, I think it's. Well, that's the thing. You can't have one without the other, though. You can't have Epic building this thing without the end goal of they control it. No, of course not. No, I mean, by, by sole place, I mean, like, a world where Fortnite takes over so much 
the the only deals that get made are deals with Fortnite. And the only thing, if you want to go see yeah, a like, cool thing, it has you, to be in Fortnite. It's not you can't it. have one without the other, though. That's you big. can have cool it, things in a game without it without it taking over all of reality. Like you can have a concert well, not, in a game without it having to be some metaverse thing. But 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 when but when Epic does it, it is part. Oh of yeah, that of course. Plan, yeah, right? when it's when Epic does it, it, I'm saying it doesn't have to build. be that way, and that's that's what I don't like, like is when they when they're forcing anyway. it to be this this definitive so, so that's thing. That's why I say whoever whoever wins, we lose because first, like fuck Apple. Apple is a monopoly, and they do a load of shitty things, like any massive corporation. Uh, but also, Epic is not your friend. They, the things they do might have benefits for you, uh, but it is only in the service of a long-term goal of them c- fucking controlling everything. So don't be fooled and don't f- think they're the good guys because they're well, there's no good guys here. Some, of course not. So they're no good guys. So basically, don't be fooled. Epi- Epic's not your friend. They, they will like the moment your interests diverge, they will screw you over. So. Yeah, just keep that in mind. Some interesting stuff that has come out of it as well um, is about cross-play, for example, for different consoles. So right now, um, so only some games allow cross-play between like PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, for example. Um, and PlayStation was one of the holdouts for cross-play. So a lot of games on Xbox and Switch could do cross-play if they both were on both places. PC, Switch, Xbox, whatever. But for a long time, Sony was like, no, you can't do that on PlayStation because of reasons. Uh, and now they have started to allow that for some of their games. But what's come out here is that they charge uh, companies to allow cross-play on their platform. Uh-huh. So other, other platforms don't do this, but Sony charge it. And the way they do the charging is in a format of, of what's called revenue share. So the idea is if you spend, let's say you bought, you, <laughs> it's so difficult to, to explain. Um, let's say, you were, let's say you're playing Fortnite on both PlayStation and Xbox, for example, and you played 90% of your play on PlayStation. But for whatever reason, anytime you paid paid money for Fortnite, you bought V-Bucks, you spent it all on Xbox. The cross-platform revenue share is that whatever Epic earns, if the percentage of time doesn't match the percentage of money paid, <coughs> they will they have to pay the money towards like, they have to pay yeah, out, pay, yeah. pay a percentage of that back to Sony basically, which is just so bizarre. It, it's, it's apparently it's to offset the reduction in revenue of of uh, the, the Sony's earning, and I just I don't understand. <laughs> like it's really weird. Because that money belongs to them, damn it. And if, and if they didn't have crossplay, they definitely would have spent all that money on PlayStation. Right? Definitely, for real. It's really odd. Like it's a really weird thing. And and like the the official document that they that of the breakdown is just really odd. So you got like month one, cross platform revenue is one million dollars. PSN revenue is nine hundred thousand dollars. The revenue share is ninety percent. The gameplay share is ninety five percent. So ninety five percent of the gameplay was done on play, PlayStation. You don't have to pay them any money. But if the revenue share is sixty percent and the gameplay share is ninety five percent with those same figures, you have to pay them, or, or Epic has to pay them fifty two thousand dollars. Yeah, such a bizarre thing. A very funny move. Uh, companies just aren't. What, what's interesting is that game gaming companies have been at like the forefront of technology for a lot of stuff, and yet even here they're just completely stumbling. Where anytime anything new comes along, it's like once a company gets big enough. It doesn't want to progress into new. It just well, wants to Sony keep hold of what also, it has now. It's also like a cultural thing. Like Sony is very uh, like company culture. Like Sony is just very um, 
in the sewer. Yeah, absolutely. They don't. They want. They want PlayStation. They they don't want to play with anyone else. No. Oh, just so so weird. Um, so that's the epic stuff going on right now. I'll, I'm sure we'll have an update because it's going to be going on for the next few weeks. So we'll probably have an update next time. But that's some of the interesting things. Also, they planned Metroid and Naruto crossovers, which I would have liked. But oh. <laughs> uh, remember a few weeks ago when Microsoft was going to buy Discord, and then they, yeah, and then not and then they didn't because Sony got there first. Well, Sony's announced a partnership with Discord, so soon the the communication service will integrate with your experience on PlayStation beginning early next year. This is from the from Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony. I'll read what he has put here, but I don't... <laughs> At PlayStation, we're constantly looking for new ways to enable our players around the world to connect with one another, form new friendships, communities, and share fun experiences and lasting memories. In this, it's in this spirit, we're excited to announce a new partnership with Discord, the communication service popularized by gamers, used by more than four, 140 million people every month around the world. Basically, they're connecting Discord to the PlayStation Network so you can talk to people through Discord from the PlayStation, I guess. Which is something I've wanted for consoles for a long time, to be fair. But it's weird considering the, the Microsoft stuff a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I wish Nintendo had done this with the Switch. Right? That would have been more useful. I wish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't even have voice chat for, unless you want to use your, yeah. just use your phone. Oh, they've got their app. They've, they've got, got their, their, app. their phone app. Anyway, um, <sighs> there's not much to say about it other than that's a weird thing. Is that's a weird that's thing? Happening. Uh, at least it might not go the way of Skype. Yeah, exactly. So Discord's we'll at see. least safe from the Skypening, but. Well, but I don't know if what Sony will do. Well, they've it. not bought it; they're just in partnership with it. So it's just it's they're just linking it. into okay. Discord through the PlayStation Network. Maybe it, maybe it. So it's which is better than just owning okay. a, the company outright. Okay. Sure. Uh, I still don't understand how Discord are gonna make money. I don't know. How, I don't understand how they make money right now. But you know, no. Maybe, Presumably, Sony is paying them some money for this privilege. Yeah, you'd you'd hope so, right? Yeah. So. All right, we'll see how that works out. Good luck, Discord. Did you enjoy De- De- Detective Pikachu? It, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Um, the star, Justice Smith, um, has said he doesn't think a second film is happening. Uh, he said, I would love to participate in Detective Pikachu 2. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think we just have to kind of bury our hopes. I don't think it's going to happen. I really hope so, though. Honestly, I'm a huge fan. Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. Uh, which is weird, because I'm pretty sure they announced, like, a sequel before the film. Yeah, it says in this article from Eurogamer, it says that yeah. they announced a sequel before it was even opened. Uh, maybe it's just not happened. I yeah. mean, the, the way the film ends doesn't really lead itself open for another Detective Pikachu. So uh, m- yeah. maybe... To, to be fair, this might be... And this is just my speculation. It might be a case of, like, they were going to do it, but then COVID happened, yeah. so production got delayed and now they're thinking it's been a bit too long like is this really maybe the studio is thinking twice yeah about whether they want to put some money into it i would so. prefer rather than a sequel to De- detective pikachu just a different story in that world in that live action yeah. pokemon world like there's so yeah, much more you can do you don't need another detective a de- detective movie mm. it is also possible that um that the merchandise didn't sell as well as they wanted yep. it to yeah um, but, I mean, this is just my speculation. Like, I've got no idea. Uh, all sorts of reasons why movie studios can get shy about doing a, a movie. So something, yeah, may, 
maybe they just couldn't get the director they wanted or or something. Anything could have happened, but it's uh, yeah. I, I think I'd prefer it, it would make sense for there not to be a sequel. And so if there's not going to be a sequel, obviously he would know that he's not going to be in it. But I, I still think it would make sense to do a different film in that universe. That'd be cool. I mean, I mean there's so much you can do with Pokemon, isn't there? Like, it's... You don't have to do Detective Pikachu 2. You could do something else. Yep. Give me Surfboarding Meowth 1. <laughs> Give me a sports film in Pokemon World. Oh, that's right? quite good. Yeah. Give me that. <laughs> that's what I want, I think. A sports film in a Pokemon right. World. Mm. Uh, uh, sticking on the Pokemon. You, sorry, what are you saying? Can you explain this Pokemon card thing to me? Kind of. <laughs> I really hope so. We were originally going to have Vince on this podcast, um, who we've had before, but he unfortunately couldn't make it today. And I really hoped he would be able to explain this because it seems like the sort of thing which he would know about. Um, but there's a, there's a American there's a Pokemon card crisis going on right now. Um, basically, because of the pandemic. Some people have got really into their into their hobbies. <laughs> so people who are into these hobbies I anyway, what that's like. loads of people are suddenly looking for different hobbies which they can do at home. And one of those things is collecting Pokemon cards, especially rare Pokemon cards. Um, so Pokemon cards, especially in like the, fir- the first generation, have only increased in price over time because they weren't like there wasn't like loads of them. Like now, any any Pokemon card pack that gets released, there's like so many, so it'll never be worth anything. But some of those original cards, especially like Misprints, for example, go for like a lot of money. Like Shiny Charizard goes for around $350,000 just for that one card. But in order to... Does it have to be a specific printing? Yes. Okay. Uh, first edition Shiny Charizard goes for that, mo- that amount of money. And it has to be graded the right way. So what's happening is that with with cards, with any sort of collectible card... You can get it graded by a um, card grading company where you send the card off to them and they give it a grade of 1 to 10 based on how good quality this card is, with 10 being basically, you know, it's brand new uh, and then going down in as it as it gets sort of like more damage. And the higher the grade, the more money it's worth. But because so many people are getting into this now, these card grading companies are basically finding themselves unable to operate because there's just too many cards coming through. So the wait times are going up. And if you send a card in at this point, you're essentially waiting six months before you get it back from them. Oh, my. So these these companies have basically just come out and said, it's going, it's too much. We can't, we can't keep up with the demand. Surely they want to recruit more qualified card graders. Yeah, you can do that, but you... Can't I take an apprenticeship, <laughs> a government apprenticeship in Pokemon card grading? Why not? Give it a go. Um, but I mean, you can you can you can recruit people, but then they're not ready now, are they? They'll be ready in a few months' time once they've been through training and stuff. And at that point, <laughs> who even knows if they'll be needed? You know, as the as the lockdown ends and the pan- pandemic, um, got to send over some temps. Yeah, things will calm down a little bit, you'd imagine. But Pokemon cards right now are bigger than ever. Like it's surprising to think that they are bigger than they were when they first started. You know, back back when Pokemon craze was at its highest sort of early 2000s late 90s it's now bigger than it was then um to the point where as you'll see in the sec the second thing i've i've shared with you uh target has said they're not going to sock pokemon cards in store anymore because of safety concerns of nerds just getting too aggressive with trying to buy these cards uh there was one there was one target where a fight broke out 
and three people pulled guns. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Just to try and get these, uh, oh, these Pokemon this is worse than This is worse than the Szechuan sauce. It is worse than the Szechuan sauce stuff. Um, it's... The, the, there was McDonald's Happy Meals where Pokemon cards were put into these into these boxes and they were uh, overwhelmed by collectors who were ripping open the boxes and just buying up all of the Happy Meals so the kids couldn't get them <laughs> because the collectors needed them to earn a bit of money. Buying up Happy Meals and sitting there in the McDonald's ripping them open in front of yeah. children. <laughs> just, it's ludicrous. Oh. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. There's something sad about this. It is sad, like, isn't it? Like, I... it, it's, it's sad. The fact that this thing, which is designed to give children joy, is being taken over by adult collectors. Yeah. And and if you're an adult who's into Pokemon, like, yeah, same here. Like, but don't ruin it for the kids. Because that's ultimately what you're doing. Be, be it's, chill. It's, it's, it needs it needs to sort of understand what's, what is and isn't for you or designed for you. Like, cards being put into Happy Meals, yeah, okay, if you're a collector... Go and try and collect them, but to just buy it out to to the point where children can't get their stuff, like yeah, but when when you roll up at the McDonald's and you order like two hundred Happy Meals because you want because you might you want to get all five of the cards that's available, like you drop by and get like one, sure, yeah. Oh, I just, need to just do it like a normal person. What are you doing with the with the leftovers, like the ones that you that weren't there for you, you know, or, or the ones that you already had? What you what are you doing with those? I'll probably just chuck them away, right, or just selling them on. And kids can't get what they what they wanted from it. It's it's fucking shit. It's just yeah. shitty behaviour, and it's um. Just try and be like a functioning person. <laughs> yeah, just give it a go. Give it a try. I feel I feel bad. But I don't know what you do about that because if if ultimately you're a collector, right, uh, or you're making these limited edition things, collectors are going to want to get hold of them. I I mean, there's nothing you can do in a capitalist economy. No, of course, right. Because as long as like market bubbles like this will speculate, it it will happen. In an ideal world, I think what you do with this, if you had to do it this and, way, and also these companies stand to make a lot of money off of adult collectors, right? That's the other thing. Yes, of course. Is that is because one thing that they could do would be to just like reprint all these cars and like flood the market, but that would piss off all the adult collectors, and they won't do yeah. it. I like the people who are kicking off about um, Target not selling his stuff in stores. One person comments here saying, so if I slip on a banana at one store, is Target going to stop selling bananas at all stores? This is such a silly overreaction. It's like, well, fucking Pokemon cards are not food. Pokemon cards are not I something you can just harm yourself This isn't people slipping if, on bananas. This is people trying to buy a thing and threatening others. Because they want to buy if, if I walked in, If I walked into a supermarket and I pulled a gun because I couldn't find the banana I wanted, they'd probably stop selling then, bananas then. then. Maybe yeah. they would. Yeah, maybe stop they would. Bananas. Such a ridiculous thing. Uh, grown men just fighting over each other and shit for fucking Pokemon cards. Sad. Um, I'm glad I'm not into things. Uh, last time we talked about Humble Bundle and the, the changes they did to the sliders um, and not giving as much money to charity, they have now gone back on that and reintroduced the, the sliders. No, but I think I think we, this is very much uh, rather than a victory, yeah. this is a warning. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's obvious. Like they it's obvious where they want to go. Um, um, there was too much backlash this time. They are no doubt working on ways yeah. they can 
they can do it. So yeah, this is very much a warning rather than a bit. said in the blog today, we'll be turning sliders back on for all our customers on our bundle pages while we take more time to review feedback and consider yeah, sliders exactly. and the importance of customization so, purchases on bundle they're, pages. They're just going to try and package it in a more favorable yeah. way. Maybe if we just kept the sliders, but only let the sliders go a certain distance, they would have been fine with uh, that. Something like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, or, or just try and do it again in six months. Yeah. Wait for a big thing to we'll be announced it. and then do it. Yeah. When people are focused the other way. That's all the news I wanted to go through, unless there's anything you want to discuss, Scott. No, I'm, I'm good. Cool. Okay. Then the question of the week, what is the best sandwich? This question is wounding me because I'm really hungry I'm right now. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got a sandwich. Uh, people who live in my house, we've got a sandwich, which I can't call, tell you my name because it's named after the street I live okay. on. So that would make Give it a, a bit fake too, name. It's, it's our special sandwich. Okay. Um, and it is, uh, so it's obviously like a crusty bread, uh, a fancy cheese of your choice, a potato waffle. Interesting, okay. Some some lettuce, some tomatoes, uh, some hummus. Okay. And you know your way, and maybe some spicy sauce, and you're off to a race. That sounds good. I'm into it. I mean, maybe not the potato waffle. Maybe put in a few of those corn. Uh, the, the the corn company <laughs> does these Thai Thai bites. They're yeah. called. Uh, they're good. Maybe pop a couple of them in there. Taste. Sounds it. good. That sounds like a good sandwich. Um, for me, uh, I don't really like. I really like um, like you, some crusty bread, some two kinds of cheese, ideally. Then um, some mayo, then some chicken pieces, and then some ham on top as well, and then also some lettuce. So that's 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 and then put it all together, okay. put it in the oven, toast it up good, and you got a good you got a good sandwich. There. Oh, that reminds me, I, I had a good pizza the other day that you would appreciate pizza? because you like your margaritas. It was a cheese pizza, but it had bits of halloumi on it as well. Mm. It was right nice. Mm. Not so sure about that. It also had olives on it, which I liked, but you wouldn't like. Mm, yeah, I'm against this pizza. I don't appreciate it. You were wrong. Uh, right. That is the end of the podcast, then. If you think I'm equally wrong, why don't you write in? <laughs> Nerdundergeek at gmail.com. Right, what's the best sandwich, and what's, it, what do you have to say about Scott's dietary if habits? If you think I'm right, give us a good rating on iTunes. <laughs> yes, please. So, Leave us a rating, why not? And maybe a review, telling us what your favourite sandwich please is. Please review us on the Apple Podcast app, especially, and give us a Ideally follow. Ideally, favourably. Give us a follow. Ideally, favourably. Yeah. Don't don't go rating us slow, mate. Don't let's do that. Let's beg them. Well, let's think of next podcast. <laughs> I'm on... Beg, would it be an hour-long I'm, I'm on begging. my knees. Do you want me to get on my yeah, knees? I'll get on my yeah. knees and beg Scott's you. on his knees right now. Look what you've done uh, to him. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please hit follow on the other podcast apps that you're using to listen to us right. just so we can yeah. help boost our metrics. Is that the word? I mean, they say it helps. Apparently, five-star reviews help. Beat the algorithm. That's the thing. Help us beat the algorithm. Uh, Scott, where can people find you on the internet if they want to find you? Oh, uh, you can... F- Find me on Instagram at ScottVAH, uh, where you can see some pictures and stuff from my life. You can also find me on Twitter at HorseStorian, H-O-R-S-E-T-O-R-I-A-N. Horse you can follow the Nerd and or Geek Instagram page at Nerd and or Geek. Uh, you can follow my me on Twitter at CalMyName. I've still got not, not still not got my Quickle name back. Oh, my God. They've not responded to me. I, don't, I guess Twitter don't find it. That important to press him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's it. Uh, last week I did a chat with Go. Sean Morley about his Twitch stuff, so that's the previous mm-hmm. podcast. Go check that Go out. Go check that out uh, on the podcast 
just just the previous ones what the one you're listening to right now uh i think that's it yeah see you in two weeks stay safe goodbye bye